Hey friends, I'm Julie Holmquist and you are listening to Kairos Moments Podcast. God's been speaking to you for a while and you know you are called to something. It's time to stop playing it safe with your faith, time to lean into your calling, and time to bring those God-given dreams to life. It's time. Let's do this together. Hey friend, today I have on the show Heather Creekmore. She wrote a book called The Burden of Better. We talk about comparison, what it really is, and how to practically deal with it. I ask Heather, is it wrong to want a better life? Is it wrong to want more out of life? She shares her struggle with comparison and how God helped her find freedom. Women are notorious for comparing ourselves with other women. But did you know you can also get stuck in that comparison when you compare yourself with who you used to be or who you should be according to your own standard? Even as you're walking out your dream, as you're walking in your calling, comparison can wreak havoc in our lives. You find yourself struggling and saying, I should be further along. I should be doing this. I should be doing more. Let's welcome Heather to the show and find freedom together so we can run our race and walk in our calling unhindered and free. So Heather, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. I'm so glad you were able to join us. It's a pleasure to be with you, Julie. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we had a little bit of a disconnect trying to make something work, but I'm glad it's happening today. So <laughs> That was all on me. <laughs> <laughs> we are two peas in a pod. You, you've written two books, is that right? The That's right. Is Compared to Who, and the most recent book you've written, you've written is called The Burden of Better. Today, we're going to talk about The Burden of Better, but it kind of has a close connection to your first book right? It really does. And when I tell the story of why I wrote The Burden of Better, I always end up having to talk about the first book compared to who. So I don't know if you want me to jump right into that or... Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Well, so The Burden of Better is really a book about comparison, but about comparison more broadly, comparing, you know, just all the different ways we compare ourselves to others, whether it's comparing our marriages, comparing our homes, comparing our vehicles, comparing our jobs, you name it. But where I started in my ministry was talking about body image. Uh, I have a story of disordered eating and all the body image issues, um, really that started when I was in the third grade. And, um, and so really when I got into my early forties, I started to feel freedom and felt like God had kind of shown me a path out of my body image issues. And so that's what I wrote my first book about compared to who, uh, but a lot of people read the title compared to who and thought it was a book about comparison more broadly. And we're really content to find out how to stop comparing in the body image arena. But I had, you know, readers and, and followers say, Hey, we want something that's broader than that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, sure. Yeah, I can do that. And then I sat down to write and I was like, wait, do I know how to stop comparing? That's kind of a, that's kind of a big ask. So, um, so that was really what, what birthed the burden of better book. Okay. The burden of better, the word better in and of itself is, you know, I'm a grammar, I'm a word nerd. So Uh the word better is a superlative, which indicates that there's a comparison to begin with. There's a level of you know, you're one upping or whatever. So is this a sequel to your first book? 
or is it just a standalone? It can, it can certainly be a standalone. Uh, I always encourage women that have body image issues to start with the first book because I think it's more helpful to start there if, if that's what you're looking for. But, um, but no, it's certainly a standalone. I love that you said you're a word nerd. I am too. And so better is a comparative adjective. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and so, but, but what I like to remind people is that in order to use a comparative adjective, like you said, you have to have something to compare it to. And so when we say we want to be better, then it always kind of begs the question. It has to go back to compared to who, right? Right. (laughs) So, so yes, in that way, it all does kind of work together. (laughs) Yeah. And I love what you said, um, at the opening, your opening quote of chapter three, comparison is the enemy's way of saying God cheated you. And we've, if you don't own up to comparison, you can at least feel that feeling of, I got the short end of the stick somehow. And you said that comparison is kind of like a a catchphrase for all of the other sins that fall under that. So talk to us about comparison and what, you know, what all that looks like Sure, in God's eyes. Sure. Well, let me back up and kind of share the story that is part of the trailer for this book. Okay. And and really the opening of the, the book, the opening of the introduction is me standing in church singing the song. And I don't know if you've heard it, but it was, they've kind of revised the song that I remember singing as a little kid in church and I'm in my forties. So this was, you know, decades ago, I remember singing, God, you're so good. God, you're so good. Right. We have, we have a revised version of that now that we sing in church. And I distinctly remember standing on the balcony, singing the song like, God, you're so good. And meanwhile, my brain, well, I'm singing these words that I've known for decades, but mm-hmm. my brain is looking at the woman on stage leading worship and thinking, wow, she's a lot prettier than I am. She's skinnier mm-hmm. than I am. Oh, she has a much better voice than I do. I wonder if I would look good in a sweater set like she has on. And, and so even though with my mouth, I'm praising God in my heart and in my head, I'm asking the question like, God, are, I believe that you're good, but do I believe that you're good to me? Or mm-hmm. do I believe that you were actually better to her? Because look at all wow. the ways you've blessed her. Yeah. And, and in my comparison, like you said, through that, that quote, that's at the beginning of my third chapter and that comparison alone, without even saying anything, without even kind of admitting or fessing up to all this, in that comparison, I'm asking the question, God, do I really believe that you care or, or that you're providing for me in a sufficient way? Mm. And so, yeah, so like you, like you alluded to, what this caused me to do is kind of dig into what's really going on in my heart that I'm able to just compare so easily, so flippantly mm-hmm. <laughs> while praising God, right? right. And um, yeah, and so, so as, I, as I dug in there, what I recognized was we're really quick to say the word comparison. Comparison is like a nice little right. word. And, right. you know, we've got all these like pithy quotes, like comparison is the thief of joy yes. and don't compare your behind the scenes to someone else's highlights exactly. real. And, you know, all the memes, right. We know mm-hmm. all the things, right. but then at the end of the day, we're still like, yeah, but I'm still like what, you know, comparison, yeah. that's not a big deal. We just all do it. Right. Right. Um, But as I dug in more, what I found was I don't believe (laughs) that that's how we're supposed to live as believers. I don't think that's what God has 
you know, ordained us for, if you will. I I don't. And, and then, so when you ever, you come to a place where you're like, okay, that's not what God has for me. Then you kind of have to ask another question. Well, is that actually opposed to what God has for me? Mm -hmm. And as I started to dig into that, I recognized that, you know, chapters or excuse me, verses like James, um, I believe it's, it's James chapter one, where it's like the list of, you know, envy and covetousness, all of those things are right there with like sorcery and sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. And they're all right there in the same list as things that we need to run from. Right. right. And, and how, how really, when I was honest with myself and honest with looking at what was in my heart, I could see that, you know, it wasn't just comparison. It was envy. Like I kind of hated her for getting what I wanted. Mm -hmm. Right. You Mm -hmm. know, I mean, we can say, we say that like flip again, flippantly, we say that lightly, like, Oh, I hate her, but that, no, like we can't say that. Right. Like that's not, no, like that's, there's a problem there. Right. Or, and then covetousness, like digging into, okay, I don't, hate her for having new kitchen countertops, but I'm really jealous of those. (laughs) I really want those kitchen countertops. Like I really wish I had kitchen countertops. And then, and and I just made the mistake right there that I (laughs) talk about the book. I said that we're jealous. I think, I think part of the reason why we don't use these words is covetousness, jealousy, and envy is because we do convolute them all in our language. We're not clear enough about, about what they all are. And so, so in the chapter, I tried to distinguish covetousness is wanting someone else's possession. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes even in, in body, in the body image world, we can objectify each other to a point where like you see the magazine covers as you're checking out of the grocery store mm-hmm. and you're like, I really wish I had her, but mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not really thinking <laughs> that you want yeah. her or her life or, you know, anything like that. It's yeah. not really envy necessarily. It's just covetousness of, of a particular asset that someone has. Right. right. Um, And then jealousy is a little different because the Bible tells us that God is jealous, right? Like he's a jealous God, but that doesn't necessarily mean that God wants us to be jealous, but there are times where there's a holy jealousy where like, let's say your husband starts having lunch with another woman regularly. It's okay. It's justified and correct to, to have feelings where like, Hey, that's nope. That's mine. mine. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, so it's not like God's against the, uh, against the, uh, the staking out what's yours, if you will. But, but, um, but then jealousy can go awry as well. And we see examples of that, um, in the Bible too. So, so yeah, that's, that was kind of a very long answer, no, <laughs> to your question, that's good. but, but fleshing you, all that out. You have a, an amazing way of taking off the layers so we can, like you said, there's the pithy memes out there, you know, the little cute sayings and, but you have a way of removing those layers to where we are face to face with that sin. And it's like, call it what it is. Yeah, It's flat out sin. And so I love that about you, Heather. Um, In one of your chapters, you answer the question or uh, you ask the question, is it wrong to have a better life? Mm. Being an Enneagram seven Mm -hmm. and Myers-Briggs ENTP and, you know, all those things. I'm always finding ways to make something better. Mm-hmm. So tell me the difference. Tell my audience the difference of what it means to be in that gray area of like, no, this is not good for you to want better versus this is a healthy way. This is a yeah. healthy. So I think the distinction, um, well, there's two parts to it. And so the first distinction I would make would be really seeing our ideals 
as idols. Mm. Okay. Now that doesn't, that doesn't mean that every time you want to make something better in your life, you've made it an idol. Right. Absolutely not. And that's where I think the, the second part comes in, which is the treasure principle. And I'll talk about that in just a second. But, but let me go back to this ideals as idols things, because that's probably maybe a, a new or like a, what is she talking about <laughs> kind of concept for, for people listening. So so we have these ideals. And sometimes I talk to women and they're like, I don't compare myself to other people. I just compare myself to the me that I want to be. Like, I just, I have all these things that I know I should be able to accomplish. Okay. So I'll use the example from motherhood for me. Like I thought, I, I thought I knew what kind of mom I was going to be. Like mm-hmm. my kids were not going to eat like frozen chicken nuggets and peanut butter and jelly for lunch every day. They yes. just weren't going to do that. Like, you know, I would before I, we didn't get married until um, we were in our early thirties. And so I had my whole twenties to like judge people <laughs> and like, like watch moms do it wrong. Right. Yes. You know, like, Oh, I can't believe you're letting your children like yeah. eat that and play with that and all those things. Right. Right. And then I actually became a mom. Uh-huh. And, um, and now like we could not survive without our microwave because I don't even have the capacity to put the frozen chicken nuggets in the oven and cook them <laughs> properly. It's like, yes. do you just nuke it for like a minute and a half? If it's yeah. cold, put it back in. I'm sure right. it'll be fine. Yeah. Um, but, but so this was an ideal for me. Okay. And, and the problem, I mean, on the surface, it might seem like, well, no, it would probably be nice if you could make your kids a salad for lunch or something. Right. They wouldn't eat it, but, but you know, that that's a nice concept, yes. but but where it becomes a problem is when I start to consider like where I am on the scale of good mom to bad mom or, mm. or value as a mom based on whether or not I meet this ideal of how I treat my kids or excuse me, how I feed my kids. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the second part is the shame and guilt I feel mm. because I haven't met that ideal. Right. And, and this, again, this is just a standard I set for myself. Right. I don't have a doctor or anyone else in my life telling me, you know, you really need to do this. There's no other accountability. This mm-hmm. is just in my head what yes. I think I should do, what I think I should be. And some, for some women, it's what size they think they should be. For some women, it's what they think their house should look like or how clean their house should stay. Right. Like there's all these different things that we put on ourselves yeah. and then we judge ourselves according to whether or not we've met these standards. And as I search the Bible, there's a verse in first Corinthians and I think it's genius. And I, I found it while writing this book and I'm sure I'd read it before, but you know how sometimes scripture just comes to you in a different way and yes. a different context. Yes. You're like, oh, wow, like I never right. saw that before. Right. And so there's a verse in first Corinthians where Paul is talking about it's, it's the right comes right after Paul gives his resume and everyone's talked about, you know, everyone knows that part. Like Paul right. is just an awesome dude. And he says, you know, that's all meaningless compared to the value I have in Christ Jesus. Right. But right after that, what Paul says is that he doesn't judge himself. He mm-hmm. only allows God to judge him. And I thought, isn't that interesting? Because isn't that what we do when That's we have these good. ideals? We're always judging ourselves. And do we meet our own standard? And then what happens when I set standards for myself that I am supposed to either keep or, you know, achieve or whatever, then I am putting myself in a place where I'm my own little God. Like, okay, God, I know you have your standards. You have things that you ask of me, but there's also this list of things that I ask of me. And then what happens too often, unfortunately, and I mean, I, like, like you said, like I call out sin, but I try to do it in a very grace filled and humorous way because, because I make these mistakes too. Like I am so far from perfect, but I mean, so the ouch moment is when you come to a place where like, huh, whose list of standards is more important to me? 
Mm. Is it more important to me that I do this to be an ideal mom and an ideal wife and all this? Or is it more important that I do this to be holy and this to be Christ-like? Mm. And, and when you weigh those two, oh, ah. So it's basically the motivation behind when you want to make something better. Right. Well, and that's, so that's where the treasure principle comes in. And that's, that's what Matthew talks to us about in terms of our money. And, you know, money is not the root of all evil. It's the love of money. That's the root right. of all evil. Right. And I think that that's what happens too often with our ideals. If, if your goal to get better becomes your treasure, if that's where you're putting, and I think there's two, two litmus tests for the treasure principle, it's time and money. Mm. So if all your time and money and, and, and really sometimes time isn't actually calendar time. It's what you're thinking about. There's mm-hmm. a, a famous quote that says, um, what you think about in your solitude is your religion. And, wow. yeah. um, yeah. And I, I use it in my body of talk all the time because that was, I mean, you know, I was a Christian, I was raised in a Christian home. I went to Christian schools, but what I thought about in my head all the time was how to change my body. Mm. Um, what diet I was going to be on, what exercise I needed to do to burn off the Oreos I just ate or, or whatever, all of that disordered eating thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was always going on in my head. And so dieting was my religion and it was my treasure. That's, that's, that was my treasure more than Jesus, more than, more than the things that I knew, um, of his kingdom It, right. it had become my treasure. So yeah, I think that's the litmus test of if, if you're chasing better, if you're chasing a better home and it's taking up all your time and all your thought life and and maybe a lot of your money when you do home improvements, that's what happens. Right. (laughs) And, 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 and then to some extent, your, your happiness, your peace, your, um, your identity gets all intertwined in that. And if it becomes the, you know, we can't have people over until my home gets better. You know, oh, I can't, I, I couldn't possibly, uh, you know, have fellowship with other, I mean, COVID makes right. everything weird, right? right. But, <laughs> but thinking about the pre-COVID world, yeah. you know, uh, I couldn't possibly do that until I improve my home. Then, mm. then I think that's when you have to stop and ask the question, okay, what, what is this really? What is this chasing better? What, what are you looking for from, from this, you know, home improvement, body improvement, job improvement, marriage improvement? I mean, because idols can be good things that we just put in the wrong spot. So what are you looking to gain from this? And, and if it's peace, joy, rest, and really salvation at the end of the day, then, then it's, it's not <laughs> it's misplaced. It's not a good yeah. savior. And the term that you use is the burden of better because the burden it's a heavy weight when we carry it because we're not supposed to be carrying it. The right. Lord says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, you know? And it's like, yeah, I need to give that to him. My husband one time told me I must've been in a little fit trying to get something done or something. And he was like, Julie, not everything needs to be improved. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. Oh yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm right there with you. You know, but it's like, no, it doesn't. And what, what I value, like value as when my boys were younger, I valued being able to breastfeed, mm-hmm. being able to have them on a schedule, have them obey every time the first time, you know, and all this stuff. Pretty soon I had a, I had a special, I had twins my first time around. And then I had a special needs son. I'm like, I'm not a good mom at all. <laughs> so it's, I love how you said it's the burden because I can feel that and it is such a weight. I probably compare myself more than I realize 
But when you talked about in your book, comparing myself to my idealized self, that was, that was ouch. That was like, (laughs) yeah, that's me because this phantom person lives in my head and I go to bed. I used to even more so, but I used to go to bed at night and ask myself, have I hugged my kids enough? Did I love them enough? Did I smile enough? Did, you know, why can't I measure up? So I love how you brought that into the, the equation that we don't just always, we don't just compare ourselves with other women. We compare right. ourselves with who we think we should be. Right. Right. Or who we used to be. Right. Yeah. Because um, I, I see that too. And, and I mean, and that in and of itself is, it's just not helpful right? Because we don't give ourselves grace to grow and age and change. And it would be weird if when you're approaching 50, you look exactly the same as you did when you were 25. Like that would just be weird. Yeah. Right. Even though, right. Like, even though like we, we feel this pressure, like, Oh, why can't I look more like I did when I was 25 or have the energy I did when I was 25. It's like, no, that's just not the way life works. Right. Something else in your book, I just love your book, let me say. Oh, thank you. Something else in your book, you mentioned, and this was pivotal to me, that this is not our life, our real life. This is not the main show. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. Well, I use the story of of a trip I went on <laughs> abroad where we were promised to get to get to see the um, Queen's Birthday Parade. Mm. And instead of getting to see the Queen's Birthday Parade, which is an annual event, kind of a big deal, we saw the dress rehearsal for the Queen's Birthday Parade, which was basically like the, you know, London PD mm. taking a horse down the road. It was quite, quite anticlimactic. Yeah. But I use that illustration because I mean, it, you know, it, it was severely anticlimactic, shall I say, right? Like if you're expecting a parade yeah. and you see a cop on a horse, like, oh, that's not a parade. Right. And, but I feel like that's very akin to what's happening here, right? Like this is the dress rehearsal, right? right. This this is the, the policeman on a horse. Like that it's, you know, we put so much stock into, into what this life looks like and how we can make this life awesome and do all the things and keep up with all the people and have, yeah. you know, the life of our dreams and pursuit of happiness and all those things. And it's like, but wait a second here. This, this life is just a vapor. It's, it's right. fleeting. It's, it's the next life. That's the big show. That's the parade. Yeah. And so what are we investing for, for that life? And, and how do we keep a heavenly focus? I mean, while still being engaged here on earth, right? Like we yeah. still, you know, we got stuff to do here, right? right? God put us here for a purpose, but how do we keep our minds focused on what's above and what's next in a way that really frees us to do what God wants us to do here without bogging ourselves down with, well, I really, you know, I got to accomplish all these things just to keep up with the neighbors. And we live in this neighborhood. So our yard should look like this. And, you know, all of those things that just consume us. Yeah. Um, how, how do, how do we keep our, our mind fixed above, fixed above? Yeah. Which leads me into my next question. You've taken us on this journey of what comparison is, what the burden of better looks like. So tell me some practical steps that when we find ourselves kind of in a stalemate with these issues, what can we tangibly do to help overcome these things? Yeah. Number one is it's always just kind of seeing it 
right? Um, that's like if you go to Alcoholics Anonymous or it's or you know start mm-hmm. any kind of twelve step program for recovery, right. right? Like the the first principle is always you have to admit it, you have to confess it, and I think biblically a lot of times we tend to think like, well, you confess your sins when you become a Christian, but you know. Yeah, you know, it's, sometimes I mess up. You know, I don't really need to confess regularly, or I forget right. about stuff. And and I I think um, an important thing to do is what I call keep short accounts with God, mm. where you you don't let that list <laughs> pile up. Yeah. Where so I think just seeing it, like you know, you're scrolling Instagram and you feel that feeling in your gut, or you know, where you're just like, oh, I'm not happy anymore. Oh, I feel bad about myself, right. and just kind of stop and say, okay, God, what is that? That's comparison. God, forgive me for comparing and just cut it off right there. And, you know, hopefully hop off Instagram then and go do something else. But, but I think, I think that's a good step. Number one, step number two, just real practical. Um, I think, I think it's healthy to take breaks from social media for certain. Um, I, I don't know that social media, I mean, I was complaining to my husband yesterday, <laughs> actually, and he was like, you should really like read a book about comparison or something because <laughs> I had been on social media and I was, I have a hard time with social media. I, I feel like I'm not really sure how I should engage because I'm not really ready to be out there as like me, like, oh, here's me and my family um, in my, in my career, in my career life and my working writing life. Um, but I see all these other women that are doing that and kind of have the like, oh, should I, should I not? I'm comparing myself and it's not helpful. So I think sometimes just getting off social media, taking a fast from social media or unfollowing people that aren't helpful. That kind of goes to that scripture. If something causes you to sin, right? like if you're, I, I mean, not literally gouge your eyes out, but right. <laughs> you know, that's how serious he yeah. considers that. And so delete your account. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, Julie, I love that you said that because, you know, oh, how do we engage rightly in light of that verse? Yeah. Do you think comparison is more prolific because of social media? Yes and no. How's okay. that for a perfect answer? I mean, just look at the story of Rachel and Leah. Oh, they were true. comparing themselves to each other. You know, I mean, I feel like comparison has always existed. And I think even if we got rid of social media, we would find ways to compare ourselves. But I think what's happened is between social media and all of the cable channels focused on, you know, home improvement or body improvement or food improvement, <laughs> just to categorize them in that way, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like now, well, in our parents' generation, like they may have known what the inside of a couple homes look like, right? Their friends, their close circle, they may have been inside their homes. You know, I think my parents had, you know, four, five or six couples that they socialized right. with regularly. Right. And so they had been in their homes, but that's probably about it. And they didn't know what other people's inside of their homes look like, right? Now, like we have this between Pinterest and HGTV, you know, we feel like we know what the inside of everyone else's home looks like. And it always looks better than ours, right? right? Everyone else has shiplap and, and, and farmhouse decor. Yes. And I still have brown walls, <laughs> not gray, you know? So it's like, so we have, so it just adds this pressure. Right. I think that probably didn't exist at the same level, you okay. know, 50 years ago or a hundred years ago or, or, or beyond that. And do you think men struggle with this? I know your book is written probably, it's written for women. Mm-hmm. But do you think men struggle with this as, as much or not? Yeah, I think it's different for men. Different. I think men struggle more with like comparing careers. Okay. Um, career success. 
um, I know my husband, so he, my husband's a pastor now, Uh but, um, but he was a fighter pilot. And so he actually shares the story that, you know, we got together with some fighter pilot friends. I think it was probably two or three years after we had like left that world and, and gone into ministry. And, you know, all these guys are former fighter pilots that are working for defense contractors and making like six figure incomes and living in really nice homes. And, and we're like, we just finished seminary and we're planting a church that has 12 people in our living room, (laughs) you know? And so like for him, it was a big struggle with like comparing, Oh, you know, look at where they are. Look at where I am. I'm almost 40. I'm, you know, and and all the things. And so I do, I think it's different. Although increasingly studies are showing that men are are struggling more with body image than they ever used to before. So, so that's actually one area that is changing and and not for the better um, because little boys are starting to have bigger body image struggles. Um, teen boys, eating disorders, those sorts of things. So, well, it's funny that you should say that because it's almost like to me, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the tables have flipped. So the, the males are beginning to struggle more with body image. Mm -hmm. The females I'm hearing more and more, they are addicted to pornography. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, what is, what is all this about, you know? Yeah. And it's just Satan likes to hone in his missile Mm -hmm. to the very weakness that he knows will get us distracted from our calling. And so um, I just love that your two books are really, really eye-opening. You've done some research with these. Um, I've looked at the bibliography and so you know what you're talking about and speak to the woman who maybe doesn't realize she does have a comparison problem. Speak to her. And she's unaware that that even exists. She might even tune us out right now. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's, that's good. Because I do think that that woman is, is probably more in the majority than those who are aware of it. So I feel like there's a lot of women, and this may be this may be you if you're listening, a lot of women out there that you just think this is normal. Like this has just been the way you've lived for your whole life mm-hmm. is on this trajectory of I'm a female, so I have to always be finding ways to look better or be better or or you know accomplish more or be a better mom or you know have a better marriage or or get married if you're single. Um, and and all this pressure and all this this like list of to do's you've just accepted over the years or decades that that's just part of being a woman. And it's mm-hmm. the way you saw your mom relate to life. And it's the way you saw your grandmother relate to life. And it's the way you've seen other women relate to life. And you've probably never even had a conversation that even called that into question as being right. anything but normal. Right. right. I mean, what, what do women do when we, we get in front of a buffet table instead of enjoying the food and saying, Oh, this is really delicious. Oh, I'm so glad it's Christmas time or whatever time. So yeah. I can enjoy this treat. Instead we say, I wonder how many calories this has. Oh, I'm going to be bad today because you know, I'll start, I'll start my next diet tomorrow. We, we make all these excuses and relate to each other as if it is normal to have to feel bad about eating good food or normal to have to feel bad about eating something that may, might put a pound on us, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so it's, it's just this normative way that women relate to society that we should always be trying to be more like some perfect idyllic version of ourselves. And so if that's you listening today, I just want you to know 
there's freedom. Like all those voices in your head, all that pressure, all that drive that makes it so you can never rest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's, there's a, there's a way out of that. And, and, and maybe you're like me where you knew the God and Jesus answer and thought that the God and Jesus answer somehow had to live with all the pressure and the burden and the stress. And, and I'm, I'm a testimony of the truth that no, like those two things should be combined <laughs> and the God and Jesus answer really does have, have a solution for, for the burden of better. Yeah. And so there's freedom for us who struggle with the comparison. Um, one way that I've noticed when I'm struggling with something like that, spiritual warfare to me is operating in the opposite spirit. Mm. So if I'm jealous of someone's success, I will promote them. Mm. I mean, not yeah. everyone I promote means I'm jealous of that person. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Let that no. be known, you know. But if I'm struggling with uh, greed or covetousness, God will, I'll ask him for an opportunity to give. And yeah. I think one time he asked me to give $50 to someone that I knew did not need $50. Uh-huh. But it was a stretch for me. And so he was like, you got to kill it. You know, you cannot have that yeah. that pet sin that you keep tucked away, it has to go. And so, yeah, I think, um, with the scripture and just like what you said, being mindful of it, being asking the Holy spirit to speak to your heart and, and be sensitive to his voice when he says you're comparing or you're not being content or whatever it may be. And so, well, Heather, I so much enjoyed this episode and I'm so glad we got to do it. And are you speaking anywhere these days or are you mainly online or what are you doing? Yeah, only virtually right now. A lot of okay. people aren't having big groups, but I do do virtual speaking events for, you know, for groups, for churches and stuff. I've had a couple of those that have, that have been pretty fun, but yeah, you can connect nice. with me at compared to who.me or, or connect with my podcast there. Um, if you're interested oh, yes, in learning I more. forgot you had your own podcast. Yeah. I will yep. put everything in the show notes. Awesome. You guys can just go just binge on all things Heather Creekmore. So, well, thank you so much. And we will see you guys next time. Thanks, Julie.